to Nats Talk on the Go, the longest-running Washington Nationals podcast going today. This podcast is proudly brought to you by our supporters club, Nats Talk on the Go, Special Ops. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Drugan and Craig McHenry. Joe and Craig, let's do it. Well, hey there, Craig, and we're back after uh, an unexpected week off from the podcast. Sorry about that, everybody. Technical difficulties. It'll happen sometimes when you're doing a very high-end setup like ours. Yeah, it's super professional. It is. We we try. We make the best effort to make it professional. Well, I can all I can I can assume it is, but I mean, I'm just on my iPad. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Joe's I, got like three computers and like I've just got one up today. He's got like a LAN system and like it's got ROM and everything. So so close to two things being possibly not true. Oh dang. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, we're back and uh, we we picked a fun week to miss last week because um, some stuff happened. Yeah, the natives were a little restless last week. It was a little restless. I watched. Uh, it worked out well that we had the technical difficulties last week because I watched not a lot of baseball leading up to last week, and I've watched more since then. So that's going to play in my favor, I feel like. Oh, I think so. I think that's right in your wheelhouse. If, if we're doing a baseball podcast, it's helpful to have watched some baseball. Typically. Yes. typically. I find that baseball is a good thing to watch. <laughs> for a baseball podcast. Um, Just in general, I think it's better for life. I think uh, if you've had a bad day, a long day at the office, uh, and you just get home, you know that the baseball is going to be there. Yeah, it's 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 always the, it's like your dog never it gonna, is uh, never gonna let you down. That's right. Always gonna be, always gonna be happy to see you. <sighs> always gonna be welcome. That's right. It's baseball. It's beautiful. Yes. Uh, so, anything you want to hit before we dig into some baseball? Since we took a week off, uh, I like Ryan Zimmerman's beard. Oh, it's so good. I, I think we talked about it last time, like briefly. I was like, say what? But it's incredible. It is it's, so good. It's really impressive. I did not think he had it in him. I didn't think so either. I I didn't think he was capable. He's always and, so clean shaven. And he has the uh, touch of gray. Yeah, it's true. He's got that uh, what what D span called the old man strength. The old man strength. So yeah. it's so dark. It's lovely. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. I'm I'm pretty impressed by it. Anything that can get him going. Yeah. So uh, I like that. I, I think the I think more beards are always better. You know. Yeah, I think so too. I I absolutely agree. I I wish everyone could grow a beard. I feel bad for the people that can't. I, I wish I could take like my back hair and give them beards. <laughs> oh God! Yep. No. Yep. No. I stop. went there. They can stop. Please. I went there. Please. Oh. Oh. Hey, it only took me like a year to grow mine. So it did, and it's a good one. It's good now. Hey, I wish I could have the little Bryce Harper quaff that you have. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's. One of my few good traits. <laughs> uh, everybody's got theirs. Uh, so, to the baseball. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. Baseball that, podcast. This is a baseball podcast, after all. Supposedly. Um, that's the name of the episode right there. This is a baseball podcast. This is a baseball podcast. Episode um, 188. Nice. Uh, so, the Nationals uh, have a new pitcher. That's Oh, that's the big thing that's happened. Scrabble. Yes. First of all, what a friggin' awesome nickname. That's a great nickname. It, I called him Alphabet Soup, but yes. I like Scrabble. Scrabble's really good. Alphabet Soup works. It's just Scrabble just 
it just it's it's very good. Um, so Mark Zibchinski uh, is with the Nationals now. It was a you know I'm not going to say a huge acquisition um, because that's overselling it for sure. But it's he's certainly filling a need. A necessary acquisition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and with you know the Oliver Perez signing in the offseason for two years, um, you just you hoped to get more from him. He was inc- Oliver Perez was really good with the Diamondbacks when he was with the Diamondbacks coming into. I think he was with the Diamondbacks up into last year, if I remember correctly. All up in it. Yeah, nice. Um, but he had been doing really well out of the bullpen um, and striking out a good number of guys had a a lot of walks because he's prone to doing that but had been pitching well um but with the he started out really well this year with the nationals and has really really struggled uh he's got an era over five and a half now um his fip not much better almost four and a half um getting really unlucky with a 330 babbit but not that unlucky yeah that's <laughs> That's unlucky, but it's not crazy. Yeah, his his strikeout rate's down from last year. His walk rate's up from last year. Um, it just seems like <sighs> the things that you want to have from your left-handed reliever is just not happening. And without, you know, Sean Burnett is in the organization, but and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this in a little while when we get yes. to questions, but, like, he's doesn't appear to be ready to, to come up yet. And the Nationals really don't have – and Sammy Solis – dealing with his Sammy Solis like injuries um, just doesn't seem to have the, the, the team doesn't have this seem to have the, the left-handed reliever that they need. So I think Zabczynski for, was it Max Schrock? That, Max that, Schrock. Um, was the, was the piece that went, uh, a lot of people were pretty surprised about uh, Schrock being the guy to leave because apparently some people saw some potential in a non prospect. Yeah. I mean, he was hitting, 320 at at uh, I believe Potomac uh, when he was traded, which is really good, but it's still high A, and you're talking about uh, a Jose Altuve type body. Yeah, like super small, a little bit wiry, and we're like we're five eight. Yeah. Like, and we're saying, and what are the odds that that guy tunes into Jose Altuve? None, because there's never been a Jose Altuve before. Like that's, I think that's the the point. Altuve came out of nowhere to be the player that he is. It was always he can hit, but he's too small. Exactly. Now Schrock is young, and there's a lot of potential for him to. There is some potential for him to be a good player, but like you said, he is a little tiny second baseman. Right. You you that who had no other set of no real other status or prospect status other than, you know, he'd hit well in like low A and high A for two years. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't think. So it, yeah, it wasn't a huge give up. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's potential there. You can't just trade for a left handed relief major league relief pitcher for nothing. Right. You're going to have to give up something. Obviously, something was seen in him uh, from the A's, or- the A's organization that they liked him. And maybe, you know, it's a Billy Bean type thing, and maybe they see something that Mike Rizzo doesn't. But they also can afford, you know, to make that move. And then so can the Nationals. I mean, he wasn't a guy for them, and he might be a guy in Oakland. So Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 that, that seems to be the kind of 
special deal at this point between those two, the the Nationals and the Athletics. They they kind of pass around like when uh, was it who was it uh, Billy Burns went there uh, as part of a deal with the Nationals. Like they just keep on trading these guys back and forth yeah. that, that are like you know he they could be something, but we really don't think they are. Why don't you have a try? Like, there's some sort of outside potential there, and that's what I see in this deal. The Athletics had no need for a guy like Zipchinski in their bullpen right now. So get a guy that can maybe do a thing in the future. There's really no need for you to hold on to anything else at this point. Um, So I thought it was overall a a good deal. I I thought it was a good deal. Uh, Zipchinski is a reverse splits guy, which I find kind of weird. Yeah, it is weird. Uh, he came over, and I think lefties were hitting like 288, and righties were hitting like 220 or 230 against him, which not what you'd really expect. Um, hopefully that changes, and it seems like he hasn't really been a traditional loogie. Yeah, so he uh, since he's come to, over. To be clear, he's been a for his for the season he's been a reverse split guy. For his career, he hasn't. Been. Right, that's what I meant. Yes. So yeah, I just wanted to clarify that point. Oh well, thank you. Very yes. good clarification, mm-hmm. sir. Uh, it seems like outside of Mark Melanson in the ninth inning, Dusty Baker really doesn't have assigned roles for any of his pitchers. Yeah. In the bullpen. We haven't we've seen Yusmera Petit come in and pitch to a couple batters, and we've seen him come in and pitch three, four innings. Yeah. We've seen We've seen him uh, not pitch for two weeks. We've seen Blake <laughs> Trinan pitch for three innings, and we've seen him pitch to one batter. I mean, there's not really even those roles, which are usually the first ones to find outside of closer. It's just not there, and uh, I kind of like it. You're seeing uh, a little bit more specialization and some, I'd say, decent uh, bullpen management out of Dusty. And Sevchinsky has not been just a loogie. He's been trusted to do more than that, and he's... Uh, so far, been able to get the job done. I know his first appearance was a little bit rocky. Uh, was it against the Rockies? Because that would, that be, would be amazing. So amazing. It might have. God, been I don't know if I hope it was. Can someone look that up for but me? But his first appearance was also, I think, the day after he arrived to DC, like right. twenty-four hours after he arrived to DC. So, um, it's you know, you got to give a guy a little bit of of leeway there. And with what the Nationals have gone through this year, uh, you've seen a revolving door of. Younger talent relievers, right, coming through. Uh, the Coda Glovers, the the Trinan, the Solis, all those kind of players. Uh, it's nice to see a veteran in yeah. there who's come in and just like Melanson, just settled in immediately and just gone out and done the job. Well, and I think that was kind of the role of a guy like Matt Belial too, um, who certainly had trouble with that role early on, and then he came back from the disabled list, and he's actually been very good. Um, and I think that the more of those veteran kind of presence guys you can have in there, the better off it's going to be for the younger guys. Because um, Matt Belisle has been great. Yeah. <laughs> he's been really good. Uh, he's got an ERA under two, so and, a, and an FIP under three. So he's been pitching. They've been getting everything they wanted to get from a 36-year-old relief pitcher, and then a lot more. Um, so uh, the bullpen is, they're still trying to work out the bullpen stuff. They're still working to get all the pieces in the places they want them. But I think you're right that Dusty's kind of like, you know, yeah, Mark Melanson's going to be pitching the ninth inning if we're ahead. And then, and even still not just that, I think you touched on something in a tweet last week that 
I think there's an agreement between Mark Melanson and Dusty Baker that if he warms up, he's coming in the game regardless. Yeah, I and I, I somebody responded to that. I don't remember who it was, but someone responded and said he doesn't seem like that kind of guy. And when I said that, I didn't mean it as in like a a negative way. He's like, hey, listen, this is the way I pitch. If I warm up, I'm pitching in the game. If right. you you brought me here to be a closer, if you're going to warm me up for the ninth inning and it's a safe situation, and then it becomes a four-run game or a five-run game, still bring me into pitch because I don't just pitch in safe situations. I pitch, you know, if you're going to warm me up, I expect to be in the game because, you know, that's how my arm's not going to explode. Yeah, um, and I, it's happened twice since you mentioned it. What? Uh, where he's where he's come into a game in a non-safe situation. Oh, yeah. And he's, where he's warmed up, and he it hasn't been a question. It's not like he's up, and then someone else gets up instead. No, he gets up, and no one else gets up, and he comes in. Yeah, and uh, and I th- I think that's great personally because you you hear from pitchers all the time uh, from relief pitchers. You heard it from relief pitchers in the Nationals organization under Matt Williams, guys who would warm up in the bullpen and then not come into a game, or they'd warm up and then they'd be sat back down, and then they'd warm up again and then they'd be sat back down, and by the time. They, maybe they would get into that game, but by that time they came into that game, they had thrown 50 pitches in the bullpen or something. Yeah, it's uh, up, down, up, down, up, down. That's the bad part. Which is not good because you're getting hot and cold and you're doing, you could hurt yourself. Um, but also you're throwing innings in the bullpen that you're not getting credit for on the mound. And so if you're looking at a, at a sheet and saying, well, he's only thrown you know, 40 innings this season. Yeah, but how many has he thrown in a bullpen before a game, trying to get hot for a game and then getting cooled off multiple days, you know, five, six days in a row? That matters. Um, because you're not just soft-tossing when you're in the bullpen. You're preparing to get into a baseball game. So yeah. I think that... And you're, you're really seeing that across a lot of pitchers with Dusty this year. Like, you don't see a lot of, oh, this guy's warming up. Oh, they're not coming in. You don't see yeah. a lot of double-barrel action. And if you do see double-barrel action... Both of those guys usually come in. Like, right. okay, the lefty's warming up. and He's going to throw to two batters. Yeah, there's one or two lefties coming up. He's going to throw to those one or two batters, and then a righty's going to come up. Um, going to come in. So I think that Dusty's done a really good job of that, and I think that's just part of him being a player manager and knowing his guys and knowing what they need and don't need in order to be able to be successful. I mean, I think that's a huge part of it. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. And uh, I'm going to direct people out there to... I believe it was Friday's Jonah Carey podcast with John Smoltz. Oh, nice. Where I haven't listened to it yet. It's brilliant. Yeah. He talks a lot. And uh, just for anyone out there, uh, followers of you know people like Steven Strasburg, Jordan Zimmerman, all them, uh, John Smoltz, the first pitcher who's had Tommy John surgery that made it into the Hall of Fame. Oh, so, yeah, that is true. I never even yeah. thought about that. So, And he, after he came back from Tommy John, he was a reliever. Yeah, right. He was a closer, he was a closer for a while, for a while. Yeah. Uh, and then he actually transitioned back into starting again. Uh, so he had a lot to say about uh, warming up and you know the way that pitchers go max effort these days. And he doesn't think that uh, a lot of people would be able to go seventy percent, eighty percent, ninety percent because it's always just. 100, 100, 100, I'm throwing as hard as I can for as long as I can until I blow out my arm. And it's just very interesting. I would encourage everyone to check out uh, Jonah Carey podcast with John Smoltz. Uh, a lot of good stuff on uh, what we're just talking about. Nice. Good tip. I just I just uh, locked it into my app so it doesn't uh, get is. lost. So I will, I will listen to it this week. Good tip. Um, yeah, so I think that uh, Zipchinski does a lot to kind of shore up what's going on in that bullpen. 
Um, I think that it will be interesting to see what ends up happening going through September um, and then towards October. I think the Nationals, I mean, the Nationals are definitely going to want to go in with two left-handed relievers in the bullpen at minimum. Um, uh, go into October, go into the postseason that way. I will be, I mean, Zipchinski is obviously going to be one of those guys. You would imagine that Oliver Perez will probably be. However, if he keeps pitching so poorly, uh, I mean, he, he does he end up being the guy that gets DL to bring Sean Burnett back? It'd be hard. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I don't know if you could take a guy who came into your organization a few weeks ago and put a guy on the disabled list. To, I mean, and they'd still have to clear a forty-man roster spot for him. So to to get what out of Sean Burnett, I'm starting to think. I don't know what Sammy Salisa's status is right. ultimately, and I think that's the biggest thing. I think that we'll find out tomorrow when people get moved to the sixty-day DL. Exactly <laughs> to start making some some room for September call-ups. Um, but I, I'll be very, very interested to see how that works out. If, if I'm putting money on the situation, with uh, if everybody is healthy, I would assume that it's Solis and Zipchinski are the left-handers in the bullpen for the Nationals in October, if everybody's healthy. But Solis has already had the DL twice this year. Yes. So I don't know what that means. Yes. Um, but if he's healthy, he's the guy because he's incredibly good. This is true. Uh, so you mentioned September call-ups. You want to talk about that a little bit since September is right now? Yeah, September's happening. Uh, it's always very strange to see. I doubt many people are going to be seen in the next couple days, uh, for the Mets series because the minor league seasons don't end until around the fifth. Right. Um, so a lot of teams or a lot of organizations want their players, especially their top players, to really finish out strong there before getting their little September cup of coffee. But September is just so strange. I really enjoy it because you get to see these people. And for so long, that was all we had to look forward to yeah. from, like, May. Yeah, it's so true. It's like, oh, well, when September comes, we're going to see this prospect come up and play Major League Baseball for a month. So that'll be fun. Yeah, like, that'll be great. Yeah. Uh, that's all we had to look forward to. Um, so from like 2006 through like 2011, (laughs) but if you really just think about it, it's a very strange thing for baseball that you have this whole season and postseason played under one particular rule. But then in one month of the season, you can pretty much do whatever you want. Yep. You can have 40 people on your, uh, on your roster. Yeah. I mean, most, play, most teams don't do that, but yeah. a lot of teams will have in the 30s, um, and it's a, very, it's a very bizarre thing when you really think about it. So uh, it's, and it's so interesting, and it'll be interesting to see what the Nationals do with September call-ups because I, I, sometime in mid-September, uh, it's going to be just about done, if not actually done, um, as far as the winning the division, and so... You'll see a lot of those guys work in to get starts and things like that, I think, um, so Dusty can get his starters some rest. But I don't know how much rest. Um, I, I, I don't get the impression that Dusty's just going to sit his starters for a week. No, uh, I don't think that's going to happen, and I think the Nationals actually ran into a little uh, problem with that two years ago. Yeah, I totally well, agree. Yeah, they kind of were really in the groove and sat a bunch of players in the last week of the season and just kind of cruised it out and... Then couldn't get it back. Well, you got to keep playing, and you got to keep playing together. 
It, it's yes. not. It, it is a team sport. You can't just not. You, you can't just work a, a lineup in and say, okay, we're going to do this for and just kind of throw random things together. I still imagine those last couple weeks of the year, even if the Nationals have the division locked up, um, which with a magic number of twenty-two is like inevitable these days. Um, it will be very. Is it really twenty-two? I think it's twenty-two. That's incredible. <laughs> it is still August. Yeah. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of normal lineup days. I think you're going to see like Trey Turner getting you know getting Wednesday off uh, this week for the first time in like what thirty days or something. First day off. Yeah. Um, I think you're going to see some of that. You know, like just random days off here and there. But I still think a lot of guys are going to they're going to play regularly for the most part. Um, but you're going to see your your you know your call ups get. Some some spot start situations. You'll see them get some defensive replacement situations. Um, you'll see them get some a bunch of a bunch of pinch hitting opportunities um, with you know when you're when they're taking starters out of games um, and relievers out of games especially. Yep. Um, and we have a we've got some question about that later, so we'll we'll talk about oh, that. Oh, exciting! Yes, so many questions. Um, so. <laughs> As if on cue from uh, our pre- recent conversations about Michael A. Taylor, he got called up this week. Yeah, and he's was... starting on t- on uh, Wednesday. Yes, he is. Um, which is interesting. Yes, it very much is. I figured we'd see him in September, but not before then. But here he is. Yeah, and I think the only reason it happened is because of the way it ended up happening with Giolito. He's, he's he came up to start, and then he wasn't going to start again probably in. And he certainly wasn't going to start until rosters expanded. So it was like, all right, we'll send him down for a couple days and have right. uh, have Michael Taylor come up. And you don't need all the starters to be sitting, starting pitchers to be sitting on the bench. So you call up a, an extra bench player for the last few days of, of August. So you have some to, a chance to give Trey Turner a break against a yeah. left-handed pitcher. Yeah, and uh, thanks to the Nationals' first off day, uh, on Thursday that they've had in 20 straight days, I think. Is, is that tomorrow? I knew it was coming yeah. up soon. It's tomorrow after uh, after Wednesday night's game in Philadelphia. They're taking a train to New York, and they have an off day in New York. Nice. I wonder who is the most likely national to go see Hamilton? Oh, good question. Uh, uh, I would put money on Max Scherzer. Dude, that's what I was <laughs> yeah, going to say. That would be my best bet. Uh, I could, I could see uh, Bryce or Danny going. Maybe I could see them going, but just to be like, this is the cool. thing. Yeah, well, it's the cool thing to do, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, and Max and uh, his lovely wife would probably just be like, oh yeah, I really like the interpretation of Lin Manuel Miranda's uh, <laughs> yes. Alexander Hamilton. I think it's quite accurate based on the actually uh, he's no longer biography. Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, he left. Oh yeah, well he he wrote it. It's yeah, I know it's his thing, but he's not. Yeah, but he's I know, not I know, I know. Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton. I know. Okay, I'm just saying. Um. Anyway, so yeah, I think uh, I think Max would be the most likely. Who is the least likely? Huh. Oh, I don't want to. I don't know. That's <laughs> a, a lot of guys. I think um, a lot of guys are least likely. Do you? Have I think a... I think the most likely was Papillon. Oh, the least likely you mean? Least likely, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. That's a that's a good one. Um, I think oh. now the least likely would probably be, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, 
I don't have like a definitive like, oh, that person would definitely never go to that. Like Papelbon for sure. Another person, Coda, Coda Glover, yeah, maybe, maybe Clint uh, Robinson. Another person that I would consider to be actually kind of likely, Melanson. Actually, I think he might yeah. go. Oh, I think he would. Ginger's Love Theater. Yeah, indeed, indeed. It's a thing. Hashtag Ginger's Love Theater. <laughs> so that's a thing, apparently. Yes. Uh, okay, so a couple more things, and then uh, we'll get into the questions pretty early, I think, because we have a lot of them. We never get through them. It's actually not that early. <laughs> well, yeah, we okay, it's, we're almost a half hour in, I guess. <laughs> um, excuse me. So uh, you wanted to talk about some pace of play. Yes. Uh, once again... Commissioner Rob Manfred is on a crusade, it seems, uh, about MLB's pace of play and all of these things and how to speed up the game and blah, 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 blah. And I think it's a bunch of horseshit. Yeah. I don't care. The game is fine the way it is. I, l- I, l- I love the pace. I think if there are th- uh, if you want to crack down on it, uh, I think there are many things you can do that are intelligent, uh, such as, as we've discussed, limiting the amount of time you can replay something. Yeah. Because that's gotten to be goddamn ridiculous. Um, I think there are way too many instances of batters calling time yeah. and umpires granting it all of the time. Yeah. Like it's you're asking permission. You're not saying get I, time. It's my time now. Yeah, you can't call time. The umpire has to. Yes, the umpire has to. I think that's definitely something. Maybe uh, maybe even one pitch shorter in between innings. Maybe actually enforcing stepouts. Yeah, um, that's the one thing I've started to notice recently. Because that was, was that two years ago that they. It was two years that? ago that you couldn't step out of the batter's box um, unless it was a foul ball. And then you could step right. out of the bat- batter's box. Right. But like they enforced it for about a month. And now everybody still some does people. It. Yeah. And then they said, "Okay, <laughs> we're going to watch you guys. We're not going to find you anymore, but we're going to send you notices." Yeah. And so now and, everybody goes, "I don't care." And now <laughs> it's just exactly what it was. Yeah. Um, those are several things they could do to speed up the game. I don't want to see them eliminate uh, the four pitch uh, intentional walk uh, because. Unfortunately, it happened to the Nationals. I was going to say, didn't it just happen to A.J. Cole? <laughs> it just happened to A.J. Cole, and that's why you throw the pitches. Yeah. Because stuff like that happens, and there's a lot more that happens in baseball when the ball is not technically uh, been batted, What about What about um, limiting uh, catcher visits to the mound? I think that's fine. I think that's fine, Especially too. when there's two outs or a runner on second. Yeah. I think you should get maybe one time per. Yeah. Um, I think there are th- plenty of things that baseball can do to speed up the game without uh, drastic, drastic changes. And I'm trying to remember what some of them were, um, what, what he that, wanted to do. What Manfred wanted to do? Yeah. Oh, he wanted to do some incredibly invasive things. Like, do you remember? Ch- the fun- uh, fundamentally changing baseball stuff. I, like, I, I can't, I'm having trouble. You talk, I'll look. Yeah, um, I know he's talked about eliminating shifts, uh, that kind of thing. I just, I don't oh, yeah, understand. Shit, that was a big one. He was he was talking about eliminating shifts or limiting shifts. Limiting shifts, um, and one of the great things about baseball is it's a game of adjustments. Right. And uh, another thing I think would be great to eliminate. Uh, he's mentioned recently limiting pitching the number of pitchers you can use in a game. 
Oh, I think that's something that he actually said, which is super dumb. Yeah. Um, I think if you're going to do something like that, each pitcher must record an out. Say that again. Each each pitcher each pitcher must record an out. Yeah. That would limit specialization. It wouldn't be, oh, your coach has already used seven pitchers tonight, so you have to stay in there and blow out your arm. Interesting. Um, so I think maybe. Uh, require a, or requiring someone to face more than one batter, you know, something like that. Uh, I think there are things that can be done to speed up the game, but uh, what bothers me more is the reasons he thinks this is necessary. He thinks that the pace of play is why uh, I'm, I'm, I almost said millennials, and I almost want to shoot myself for saying <laughs> it. Uh, why more? Uh, why baseball's average age is not very young? Right. viewers um it's because of their asinine and arcane policies uh regarding social media oh yeah and really live streaming yeah. uh just look no further than the rio olympics nbc was down 30 percent because people can watch things whenever they want now they don't have to wait for an 8 p.m broadcast to see the results of a race that they watch live on their phone while eating a sandwich at Panera right? at two o'clock in the afternoon, you know, um, opening up social media more, uh, allowing gifts and vines. The NBA has done it and their numbers with younger generations are far better than MLBs. Uh, I don't think pace of play is the problem. NFL is the most popular sport in the country. Yes. Uh, and the pace of play of the NFL oh, is the worst thing in the entire universe. It is impossible to watch. It is garbage. Yeah. It is, it is absolute garbage. Hey, we're going to run a play for about three seconds. Yeah. Then we're going to stand around for two and a half minutes, show you seven different replays while everyone stands there with their hands on their hip. Oh, then we're going to go to commercial. Oh, then we're going to come back. Oh, yeah. they're punting. Then we're going to go to commercial. Really point. And the NFL is having no trouble uh, getting people to watch their sport. So um, I think there's a lot of things uh, that can be done if you want to increase the speed of play. Um, but fundamental changes in the game are so stupid, and it's really doing the wrong thing, and it's really going to backfire if any of them actually go through. Yeah, and I, I found a reference. Uh, the article says from pitch clock to lowering the number of, of mound visits to a limited number of relievers, as you just said. Uh, use of shift and alter it, actually physically altering the strike zone, which is fine. I'm, I'm fine. Get they actually are. To do it. They actually are next year, supposedly. 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 Uh, if you get bottom... um, can get umpires who've been doing it for 30 years to all of a sudden call a strike zone differently because yes. it's because it's that easy. Yes, the bottom of the strike zone is going from below the knee to above the knee. Yeah, I mean, uh, which uh, this and this is this is this is the beauty of Rob Manfred's idiocy. Uh, wants to raise the strike zone so that there are more yeah. meatballs, so yeah. that there is more offense. Do you know what happens to time of game when there is more offense? It becomes Yankees and Red Sox. It becomes longer. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's the opposite of how that works. Duh. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, Good it's just been dub, really... by the way. Or yeah. dur, as it were. Yeah, it's just been really bothering me, and it just seems so, uh, shall I say, obtuse. 
nice. It it just seems to be like it seems to be missing the point. Yes. It's just like hey, our 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 numbers aren't quite the, quite what they were. So obviously people want to watch less baseball. So let's make baseball shorter. Like no, it's not the way you fix the problem. You get people to find ways to consume your sport. I think Johan tweeted something about it within the last couple of weeks. But he's, you know, there was a great play of some sort um, in a Nationals game. And, like, the MLB GIFs account tweeted out the... 30 minutes the, later. Like, a 30 minutes later. It's like, yeah, I could have done that in, like... Like, if I had done it with my completely arcane command line tool that I use on my computer to make a GIF, three four minutes. I, and I could have had it out on my feed. And, like... You're telling me that MLB Advanced Media can't get something out faster than that? MLB Advanced Media, who who does all of the media for MLB, NHL, uh, there's another huge one out there that I'm drawing a blank that MLB AM do, Advanced Media does. Um, they do all of that. You can you can get out a GIF faster than a half hour after a, big, a major a huge play. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, anything else on pace of play? No. Okay. Uh, and then the last thing is the Nationals have changed a policy at Nationals Park, um, which now allows fans to take their seats uh, whenever they want to during play at Nationals Park. Hate it. Um, I, I don't like it. Um, I liked that that was a thing that they did. Um, it. I had people tweet at me that were happy with the change, um, which that's fine. Um and I think there are, there's room to have multiple sets of opinions on this. I don't think this is very this is super black and white. But the argument, one of the arguments was, well, you're, you can't stop people from getting up from their seats and leaving, and so why do it the other way? Well, the answer to that is, yeah, you can't stop them from getting up and leaving, but you can you could if you stop them from coming back and interrupting play, you're taking half of the interruptions away. That that person is causing. You're saying, okay, you got up, and then when they come back, da- try to come back down, and they're standing there. It says pl- they had the little stop sign that says, "Please wait until play is stopped to take your seats." Then they go, "Oh, damn, that's true. I guess I'm in the way." When and so you put that seed into somebody's head, like, "Oh yeah, that's kind of a pain." Um, it's it's kind of like forced education a little bit, uh, yeah. and I I don't think it's a bad plan to be totally honest with you. I think that. I think that there's some logic there. On the flip side, if you are going into section, you know, uh, 115, and they take the sign down in between batters, and you go down, you're sitting in row C, you are, play is resuming before you get to your seat. Yeah. So I get the other side of it. Like, if you are walking all the way down to the third row from the back in any section, like, you you are not going to be to that seat. And in that seat before play starts again. So you could really make an argument that you're just creating an influx of, of interruption um, at one given time to, at the beginning of it. That's, and I, I see that argument. That's why I don't have a super strong opinion on it. I, I kind of, I liked it, but I'm interested to see what it looks like the next time I go to a game without the rule and see if I notice a huge difference. Okay. Yeah. So, um, anything else? I, yeah, I don't like it at all. Uh, I think another one of MLB's big initiatives this past offseason was fan safety. At yeah. Nationals Park, especially, they uh, increased the length of the nets on the in foul territory. They moved them further up the line. 
uh, to protect more people. And I think this just opens up fans to be more in danger. If you're getting up and getting down during action, there's a much higher likelihood that you're going to be hit by a, uh, a stray ball, uh, that you're not going to be paying attention to the action. Whereas if you're standing there, you're going to be standing there. And if you're at the top of a section, you're probably not going to be hit with something. Right. The odds of it are far lower than if you're walking down to the third row or getting up from the third row or second row and trying to go get some some uh, curly W pretzels or something like that. And you could have your head turned. It could be a rocket line drive and hit you in the back of the head, and you were not even going to know what's going or on. Or you're looking for your seat when you're coming back down during play, and you're looking around, and you don't, you know, you're like, oh, where where are my people? I'm not paying attention. Um, I th- I think it's dangerous. I, I don't think it I makes sense. I do agree. Um, I think I, I just think they're just asking for it. Yeah, but on the flip side, a lot of ballparks don't do that. Yeah. Well, uh, apparently, three ballparks still uh, required play to be stopped. Okay. Uh, I believe it was Chicago, San Diego, and Nats Park, and all of them now uh, are required to allow everyone down anytime. Yeah. So it seems like it's been an MLB enforced rule. I'll, I'll be interested to see, like I said, I, I, I agree with the safety thing. I think it's a totally valid point, but I'll be very interested to see uh, what it ends up looking like when, uh, when I'm actually there and seeing if I notice a huge difference as far as my personal game enjoyment, because I'm still not going to go down until it's between plays. So, like, I'm still going to voluntarily do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just not going to go stand in some Because I'm like, not going to be a dick and get up while everyone's trying to watch the game. Right. Um, but, nonetheless, I, I, I'll, I'll be interested to see if I notice a difference. Yeah. So, uh, any other things before we go to Quest Jones? Question Palooza. Yes, so many of them. I'm trying to find the beginning. It's a very good place to start. Oh, I knew it. I knew I could count on you. Yes, you did. Uh, I'm in the zone. Start at the very beginning. So we've got a series of questions here from Carl Schlegel. Which, uh, uh, watermelons? Yeah, I, 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 I feel like I saw that right before we started recording. I don't know if I marked it or not. Just watermelon. Hashtag watermelons. Hashtag watermelons. Um, so who loses a spot on the 40-man roster to make room for Matt Latos? This is a good question. Nationals, uh, I believe, did tell him that he would be coming up in September. Yeah, because he had an opt out earlier this week or end of last week, and they he promised uh, they promised him he would join the forty man roster, um, and and make had be a September call up if he did not opt out. So they, it's, it does look like they will be bringing him up. Yeah, it's a good question. I'm not sure. I have no idea. I really am. I'm I'm quite lost as to what's going to really be happening. Yeah, uh, I think it's I'm a little lost too, to be totally honest with you, about how they're going to make a lot of those moves that they're going to have to make. Uh, when you look at the Nationals' forty-man roster, you could do which. Stuff oh, by the way, don't look at it on the Nationals' website because Jonathan Papelbon is still on there. Is he really? Yes, he is. That is embarrassing. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Um, but you look at the Nationals' 40-man roster and guys that are hurt that are not on the 60-day disabled list um, or that you would be willing to 
removed from your 40-man roster and give a, ch- a chance for another team to pick him up. Like, I don't know, Rafael Martin maybe, um, Matt Grace maybe, uh, yep. Chris Bostic maybe. Yeah, maybe, 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 maybe. Like, but these are all maybes. There's, there's no, like, you look at that. There's nobody, there's nobody that's on the 15-day disabled list that's going to be put on the 60-day disabled list that hasn't already been with Aaron Barrett. Um, that, you know, the only other people on the DL are Stephen Drew, who's going to be coming back, Joe Ross, who's going to be coming back, Sammy Solis, who's probably coming back, and Steven Strasburg, who might make a start next week. So uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. It's a great question. I, yeah. I I'm, I don't know. Stay tuned. Yeah. So who, on that note, who are we most excited about seeing with September call-ups? Uh, why don't you start? Uh, I don't, there's really no one that we haven't seen already. Yeah. That's pretty much where I am. Yeah. I mean, uh, we've, everyone's come up at some point. My answers would have been Reynaldo Lopez and, uh, Lucas Giolito, but We've seen quite a bit of those guys, actually. I'm excited to say hi to Matt Dendecker again. Yeah, because he'll definitely be coming up because he's still on the team. Yep. Um, which I just legitimately found out this past week. Yes, you did. Uh, I did not remember that. Poor guy. Um, true or false, these, again, all from Carl. For, J. Ward's beard is the 26th, excuse me, man, I think unequivocally true. I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh Tanner for Gold Glove or Murphy for MVP? Uh, definitely Tanner for Gold Glove. Yeah, uh, and I'm I'm happy to see the players are starting to beat that drum. Yeah, that's great. I think that the uh, the Sean Kelly shirt wearing thing was pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, he's definitely got the the slick fielding and the pitching numbers to back it up. Uh, so I'm hopeful. I doubt it. It'll go to someone that's won it three times before. I'm sure. Yeah, because it's la- it's lazy and easy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm hopeful. Uh, I think Murphy will finish with MVP votes for sure. Should be top five MVP votes. I think he'll we'll be top see. three. Uh, I think he'll be top three. But for sure. it's Chris Bryant. It, Chris Bryant. I I think I think there is an argument to be made for Corey Seager, but I think it's got to be Chris Bryant. It's Chris Bryant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's gonna he's, he's gonna win, and he should. Yeah. Uh, he's very 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 good. Um, okay. And then uh, on to Dan Guzman, I think. Oh, hey. Uh, podcast question. We got a couple from Guzman, too. Uh, who do you see being the most utilized call-up players, and how will they be used? Uh, I think the most used call-up players are going to be bullpen. Yes. Arms. That, yeah. And that's where you're going to see, if, the, if they don't get outrighted from the, the, the uh, 40-man roster... That's where you get to see Rafael Martin, and uh, you probably see Trevor Gott come up, who we haven't seen since the beginning of the year, who is the acquisition for the Unel Escobar trade. Got Gott. Uh, got Gott. Uh, and you're going to see uh, Matt Grace as well, probably. Matt Grace is a lefty, so that'll be fun to see. Um, but not huge impact arm. So relievers, I agree as well. Moppy, uppy, relievery types. And then I, outside see of that, I actually think I actually think Matt Dendecker. I think we'll see some we'll see quite a bit of defensive replacement time and some pitching yes. time. So I think I, yeah I think uh, for the reasons we mentioned earlier about wanting to keep these guys hot, uh, you're not going to see too many starts. From oh yeah, Cubs. no, I don't think so either. But I th- but I think that you're, you'll see some starters play six innings and then 
they're done for the day. You know, it's kind of back to a, once the division's clinched, you go back to a spring training type schedule. Mm-hmm. Fang wants to know, uh, where do you think Trey Turner will, will wind up? Outfield, infield, or super Joe McEwing type player? Uh, I think he's going to stay in center field. I think he is too. I think, I think that's, he has to. I think that's his place. With with Michelle learning us that Danny Espinosa is still going to be on the team next year. Yeah, um, what are you talking about? We totally knew that. We uh, cut that out. So, oh, shoot. I forgot to cut it out, Craig. Um, yeah, but and I, now everyone's going to think we're stupid. I know. Well, I mean, if you've listened to this podcast and didn't know that. Uh, but I think Trey Tanner is going is to be a center fielder. I think that's – I think he – it's where he's the most valuable. It, it's just back to what we were saying before, uh, what we said originally kind of with uh, the Billy Hamilton comparison of like, yeah, Billy Hamilton was a middle infielder too, and then they realized, wow, he's real fast center field, do that. <laughs> You know, and I think and Trey's where, smart. Yeah, he's incredibly smart. I think it's going to work out well there. Uh, I think that's where he ends up long term. Uh, yep. Back to a, a few questions from Guzman. Um, do you think it would uh, benefit the Nats to use a six-man rotation in September to give guys a rest? Uh, I don't think they would do something as formal as a six-man rotation. Uh, and these pitchers are so ingrained in their five-day routine with their off day in the middle, that you really don't want to mess with that. Yeah, the, the reason messing with rotations in the playoffs works is because you get more rest. Yeah, you get a ton of off days. And so you pitch... That's another thing that John Smoltz talked about. Yeah, and it, it's it's a whole different mentality. So you could go with, uh, in the postseason, sometimes even a three-man rotation because you play, you play a game, and then you have the day off. And then you play a game, and then you have the day off. And then you play a game, and then you have the day. So it's like you have a lot more time for for guys to get fresh and pitch on on shorter rest. Um, and then you got time between series to recover as well, unless you go five or seven games. So um, I think that it's unlikely, like you said, they do like any sort of formal thing, mostly because pitchers want to pitch on five days rest. They, yes, it, it's all part of the routine. They. But it's not just that they go out and pitch five days and then they pitch five days later. They 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 pitch and then they pitch five days later. They pitch and then they have the day off and then they throw a bullpen and then they. I mean, it's it's a routine that they do every day after the start. And it's it's like it's like when you come back from vacation in the middle of the week and you don't know what day it is. It's like uh. that's the schedule that pitchers work on, uh, and you can't do that to pitchers. So I think that's unlikely a six man rotation happens. Agreed. Uh, personally. Uh, another one from, from Guzman as of today, what are your playoff predictions for the nationals? My prediction is not changed, which was, remind uh, the, well, the my original prediction was losing in the NLDS to the Cubs because I thought the Nats were going to win the wild card. Yeah. Well. Uh, now it's going to be losing to the Cubs in the NLCS. Yeah. Um, I, and for what it's worth, uh, Dan Guzman says that he has the Nats losing to the Cubs uh, and the NLCS and the Cubs over the Rangers in the World Series. Um, I have Cubs and Rangers in the series as well. Yeah. Um, I have uh, I had the Nationals losing the World Series. Oh. Uh, I had them. Oh, Joe's a heartbreaker. I had them losing to the Astros. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's so not that's happen. not the thing that's going to happen. Um, so I'm just I'm going to stick with the prediction just because I still feel like that's in the realm of possibility, uh, and I don't want to just change prediction willy nilly. But I'm going to change the AL team to uh, the Rangers. Nice, in the battle for Allen's soul. Exactly. Uh, and last one from from Dan. 
Uh, I, this is a, a fun question. Uh, you must drive DC to Disney World with four nationals in the car. Who nice. you got? Uh, who did he list? Because I really liked his list. Harper, Scherzer, okay. yeah. Zimmerman, Loeb's. I would say every one of those but uh, Zimmerman. Yeah. Who would you and replace Zimmerman with? Jason Worth. Yeah. That would be my, I swear to God, I wrote it down. That is yeah. my exact list. Absolutely. Harper, Max, for sure. Lobotone, for sure. Those are the easy ones. Harper, I just think, because he's, you know, an interesting guy. But, yeah, you, you got to have J-Dub in the car. Like, the, Yeah. The, I mean, you've got to have him take a shift behind the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that never crossed. <laughs> oh, oh, perfect. I mean, did you see earlier uh, when he hit his bomb? <laughs> I'm sorry. And, and Joe is off the reservation. Oh, that was really good. That was. Just... We've lost radio contact with Dana. That was just really good. Uh, okay, sorry. What were you saying? Did you see what uh, the dugout was doing when Worth hit his bomb no. earlier? No. Everyone in the dugout was booing him. Oh, nice. They're back to that again. Yeah, they're back to that. And then Max Scherzer says, boo, go back to jail. (laughs) No way. He did. That's awesome. Google it or search your tweet bot for it. I will will look for it. That's incredible. Um, The only one I would consider outside of those four would be Trey Turner and let me tell you why. Yeah. Have you ever seen the look on a kid's face when they first go to Disney World? <laughs> the kid's like 11 years old. He's probably never been. Valid point. Valid point. Oh, that's good. Oh, you cracked me up. Thank you for that. That was excellent. Um, <clears throat> Fang asks, the Little League World Series wrapped up recently. Uh, please share any fond memories you have of playing baseball in your youth or fun USA. ones. USA. 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 USA won, by the way. Uh, won what? The Little League World Series. Oh, oh, okay. I'm yeah. sorry. wasn't following. Yeah. Uh, wasn't the following. question. Um, let's see. Fond memories of playing Little League. Oh, I, I got a concussion and broke my nose uh, playing shortstop when a ball hit off a rock and hit me in the face. Nice. Uh, I was knocked unconscious. Ooh, that, not nice. I was like seven. Nice. Uh, and the other shortstop did not want to go out on the field because there was so much blood. <laughs> Jeez. So that's a fun but true story, and that's one of the reasons why my nose is always pointing over towards the left. Nice. Uh, I, I My uh, memory is uh, I was playing Little League, and I was ste- going to for the third base steal. Nice. And slid into third base. And let's just say the catcher's aim was good, and oh, I was yeah. not wearing protection. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that was my that was Drain the ear. That was not the ear. <laughs> left left nipple. <laughs> sure, okay. it was not comfortable. So that was my my little league story. Uh, wow. uh, Frank wants to know uh, which Nats players are like which Pokemon. I mean, I don't I don't know what to do with that. So. You know what? I really like this question, and I want to take some time with it. Okay, go nuts. Like I'm gonna make a list. Okay, fair enough. We'll do and that. I might tweet it. We'll, we'll like I might do the screenshot of the note. Nice, nice. Yeah. It'll be intense. It's good stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then Fang asks, "Do you?" Are you willing to entertain which Nats players are which members of the Wu-Tang Clan? No, I'm, I, I, that's another one I really need to think about. It's just a reference I can't even get 
get my head around. Um, <sighs> Joe, Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. Okay, I know, but I'm not cool, so... Um, this is true. And I wasn't no. cool when Wu-Tang Clan was cool. I will so. have to uh, consult outside counsel. Nice. Uh, on the Wu-Tang Clan. Fair. Yes. Uh, Lori wants to know where Bronson Arroyo is. What happened to him since spring training? Haven't heard a peep from him since April. Haven't heard a peep from him since April. Wouldn't know. Yeah, don't have any idea of what's going on with him. All I know is I tweeted a thing about Bronson Arroyo uh, in spring training, like right afterwards, and I still occasionally have it get it uh, moved to the top of my my list because it's favorited by a porn bot. So nice. That's a, just like every couple of weeks it pops up. I it's yeah. I think the tweet's got like fourteen likes. All porn bots. <laughs> I've got uh, a tweet that keeps jumping up to the top of mine. Yeah. Still. Yeah. The Olympics are over, people. Oh, come on. That's that's new information. You're going to be dealing with that for years. Oh, uh, fun random tangent. Yes. Uh, Spider Twitter got mad at me last night. I don't know what that means. Spider Twitter. There is a group of tweeters uh, that is uh, very pro-Spider. Okay. And they got mad at me last night. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing. It's very weird. It was so weird. Very weird. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I bet you can't guess which person prompted the weirdness of Spider Twitter. Of all the people that are weird on Twitter that we know. Oh, God. There are so many of you. Yeah. I, don't, I really don't know. Adam Bays. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Spider Twitter. That is thing. not surprising. It's a spider thing. Spider Twitter. Don't say you'll kill spiders with fire. Yes. They don't like that. Okay. Spider Twitter's not fans of killing spiders with fire. Okay. Sorry. That's incredible. Uh, Michelle wants to know if they bring up uh, Burnett or Latos, what are the corresponding moves? We talked about it earlier. I, I don't know. I mean, I just I don't know what they do in that situation. They're going to have to move, remove people from the 40-man, and there aren't that many people to remove. Yep. Um Michelle says, when, all caps, we make the playoffs. What is the yes, rotation? Yes, it is when. Uh, what is the rotation and bullpen? Uh, it all depends on whether the Nationals want to go with a three-man rotation, which is certainly possible, Yeah. Uh, especially with the Nationals pitchers. Um, I haven't heard much out of Steven Strasburg since he's been uh, uh, on the disabled list, but you have to assume that since the Nationals have such a uh, – I'm going to go ahead and say commanding lead going into September. Yeah. Uh, they're just letting him rest a little bit. It sounds get... like, uh, I think Chelsea James tweeted out earlier that he, it sounds like he might make a start next week. So, Yeah, so uh, I think they're just letting him take a little bit of extra time just yeah. to make sure that he is completely ready to go for the stretch drive and the postseason. So uh, if it's a three-man rotation, which, like I said, is absolutely possible, you got Scherzer, Strasburg, and you've got Tanner Roark. Yeah, those are the three, the top three for sure. Yeah. And then it, if there's a fourth, I mean, it's got to be Gio, right? It, I mean, it, right now it kind of has to be. There's really no other choice. You're not going to put Joe Ross in that situation. He's missed months. Right, um, unless Joe Ross comes back and throws four straight Lights out starts. To yeah, I mean, there's a chance for sure. Right. But even even if that's the case, I still think it's more likely that Joe Ross ends up in the bullpen that, than Gio. So I I still think there's a chance that Joe Ross makes the postseason roster, but I think there's a good chance he ends up in the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, even if he does pitch well, because Gio just really doesn't have bullpen stuff. I definitely think a three-man rotation is the way to go, yeah. especially with the amount of off days and with the uh, durability of Max Scherzer. Yeah, exactly. And especially considering... Uh, the Nationals won't have to worry about 
using their best pitcher in a one game playoff. Yeah, good point. That's a it's a huge makes a huge difference. I mean, luckily the Nationals are deep that you know even if they had to use Scherzer, then Strasburg could start game one, and that's pretty decent option. Yes, it is. It absolutely um, is. So. But, it definitely will make a difference, though, but the Nationals will not be playing the wildcard team, so it doesn't come into play too much. Yes, true story. Good point. Um, is Zimmerman broken, and can he be fixed? Michelle wants to know. Um, he's had a little bit of uh, new life. Uh, a little bit of beard, beard luck, I think. Yeah, a little bit of beard luck. Uh, it's been nice. Um, I don't think... Oh, man, this is hard. Um I don't know if we're ever going to see the old Ryan Zimmerman again. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he's there. Yeah. Uh, I think you're going to see a 260 hitter, uh, 16 to 20 bombs. Yeah. 110, 120 games a year. Yeah. I, th- I, I think that's what he is. And um, there's value in that, especially uh, with his clubhouse leadership uh, and his veteran status. And um, with having Clint Robinson on your team. Right. He's a, who is under control forever. Yeah, and and he was a 30-year-old rookie, so that basically means the Nationals have him under control for the rest of his career. Right, so, it's pretty much uh, another Ryan Zimmerman left-handed. Exactly, who they, they, they split some at-bats and even get close to half and half, and the Nationals have a decent option, but I, I have to unfortunately agree. Yeah, Clint Robinson has been uh, a godsend. Oh, my God, transformational. He's, yeah, he's been, he's been huge for the Nationals. Yeah, yeah, out of nowhere, just out yeah. of nowhere. Uh, it, it, it great story turned into something greater. So, um, how underrated is Tanner Roark and Anthony Rendon? Michelle asks. Um, Tanner Roark is one of, if not the most, I would say he is one of the top three most underrated pitchers in baseball, mm-hmm. uh, and one of the top three underrated players in baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, no question. I think. Um, I think uh, Seager is another one that is super underrated. Um, oh, he's LA. incredibly yeah. Un- underrated. Yeah. Corey Seager is ridiculously underrated. Yeah. Uh, I think there are a couple players that you're like, mm, when you look at the numbers, you're like, seriously? Why is no one talking about this? Uh, and I think Tanner Roark is one of those players. I mean, uh, he he is Scherzer-like in his uh, no runs into seven innings. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, which is ridiculous because again, kind of came out of nowhere as we've talked about at length. Um, he has a player came out of nowhere, and then Anthony Rendon as well. Uh, Rendon, he's having a better year. Uh, I still don't think we've seen what Anthony Rendon is going to be. I think we've seen glimpses. I think we've seen month stretches of what he's going to be, but he hasn't been consistent enough. Uh, his defense is fantastic. Uh, his contact skills are unbelievable. But I think we're just seeing uh, a little too much flux, a little too much up and down from him. I'd like to see more consistency. He's definitely underrated. Yeah. But I think it's still he's not quite hit his full stride. And for perspective, he is currently a top 10 wins above replacement National League player. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. He's, he's ahead of Paul Goldschmidt right now 
Yeah. With the ninth best wins above replacement. That's crazy. Considering, yeah, what I just said. Yeah, because he had a tough start. He's gotten way better. Yeah. Um, And he's, yeah, it's... I mean, I would say if you look at his month-to-month, which I know you can do on Baseball Reference, I bet it's one good month, one bad month, one good month, one bad month. Right. Right around there. Right. Uh, Yeah, um, I think... his good months are fantastic, and his bad months are not great. I think that Roark is... um, very underrated. I think that, like you said, one of the most underrated pitchers in the sport, um, possibly the most underrated pitcher in the sport, starting pitcher in the sport. And then uh, Rendon. I don't know about underrated because he was certainly covered a lot earlier on. But I think that, you know, we talked about it earlier in the year. A, a rough start to a season taints mentality um, of, oh of my a gosh, player yes. for the entire rest of the year. So... I don't know about underrated. It's just he had a tough start, and I think that's lingering a little bit. Um, Michelle says, final question for Michelle, I think, here. Who gets called up besides Defoe, Severino, Giolito, and Ronaldo Lopez? We talked about Matt Dendecker, who will definitely be called up. Um, I don't know about anybody outside of that, honestly. Yeah. Um, Fang wants to know, when is it okay to start drinking pumpkin beer, Craig? Um, September. Yeah, I uh, September I think works for me. After September's a good time. After Labor Day. After Labor uh, Day. Honestly, I'd be okay with it if you're drinking pumpkin beer now. Uh, I think my criteria is that first night where if you go outside past nine o'clock and you kind of feel that little crispness and yeah. bite in the air. We had a night about seven to ten days ago. Yeah. Where I actually sat outside until midnight on a on a weeknight, uh, sitting on my swing uh, with, I think it was Vin Scully on my iPad. Yeah. Um, just drinking a beer, and there was just that crispness in the air, and I think that's, uh, I think it moves every year, but uh, September, if you want to be specific, but I think it's that first night where your dew points start getting into the 60s, or, or excuse me, uh, your your lows uh, start getting into the, the 50s. Yeah. Um, I think that's when it can be, and I know... Uh, this weekend, we might actually have a little of that. I think starting tomorrow. Yeah, starting tomorrow, it's supposed to get real nice. Yeah, until uh, L99, Tropical Depression 9, Hermine slash Ian comes through. Hashtag weather nerd. That's right. Love it. Uh, Jude wants to know, will Michael Taylor play outfield or be a pinch hitter? He's going to be a pinch hitter. He's going to be a pinch hitter with probably some late defensive replacement. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Josh wants to know, can we say, uh, Zipchinski three times in a row really fast? Joe? Zipchinski, Zipchinski, Zipchinski. I kind of got it. Good. Well done. Uh, I'm, I'm drinking a barrel aged stout. So good for you. (laughs) Nice. So Uh, that is a no. (laughs) Uh, Josh, other question from Josh. Uh, Is anyone in the NL East catching the Nats? I feel like we've hit that pretty well here. Uh, The answer is no. 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 A couple more questions from Carl. Was Strasburg and and Joe Ross close? Oh, six-man rotation. We hit that one already, Carl. Um, Does anyone feel bad that Jonathan Papelbon isn't signed anywhere, hasn't signed anywhere yet? I'm sure some people do. I'm not one of them. Yeah. I, mean, I am surprised by it. I am very surprised he did not sign. I, I don't feel bad, but I, I'm pretty surprised nobody took a flyer on him. I know he had a, a little bit of a dally with Sally with the Red Sox. Yeah, to, with the with the return there. Uh, and um, it sounded like Papelbon was, not, was the one that uh, said he wasn't ready to make a decision and all of that. And 
uh, here we are at the end of the month, and if he wanted to late. <laughs> potentially pitch in the playoffs, yeah, uh, time's pretty much up. So he's not going to um, he's not going to join a team. I don't think now. Okay. No, if so you're not going to pitch in the playoffs. Just who cares? You wonder if he's considering retirement. Yeah, uh, if he's facing mortality that every uh, major leaguer faces at some point, yeah, where they realize sure. it might actually be over for them. Um, which case that would be interesting. Yes, it would be indeed. And it would not be the first uh, former Phillies closer that the Nationals had uh, who had their last stop in D.C. Oh, yeah, that's true, Brad Lidge. Look at that. Nice. Yeah, Good that's call. Right. Deep cut. I also always forget about Brad Lidge being I know. in D.C. Uh, at all. Uh, Brad Lidge was the closer for the uh, half of the year for the Nationals' very first ever playoff game. Yeah, which is insane because he was so bad. Yep. Um that was not that long ago. It was not that long ago. Uh, Carl also asks, discuss the evolution of the greatest player to come out of the Orioles and Phillies organization, Jason Worth. Uh, he didn't have a beard, then he had a goatee, and then he had a beard. And the beard is glorious. There it is. <clears throat> Kit wants to know how many, uh, how much can we thank the new health regime for good health? And alternately, will the entire Mets roster be zombies by season's end? I think they're already zombies. Ah, it's really bad. I feel bad for those players. I feel really bad for those players. Um, I haven't paid... Uh, I, I will admit I haven't looked too closely into the Nationals' uh, injuries from this season, but it seems like there have been far less of the groin pulls, of the hamstring pulls, of the oblique injuries. Yeah, you haven't... Those obliques did not come to bite, which is nice. Yeah, and uh, there's definitely... Um, been none of those kind of injuries. So uh, I would guess you'd have to say, based on the evidence that it's working, whether it actually is or not, who knows. Um, but it, I haven't seen those injuries, and you haven't seen uh, going on the uh, outside of Bryce Harper's eight, nine-day yeah. inactive streak, which he's come back from hitting, I think, 400. Um you haven't seen days and days and days and days and days and then eventually putting him on the DL. You haven't seen that as much. Seen it a couple times, but not as much. And uh, truth be told, I'm not looking at every team as closely as I'm looking at the Nationals. So there might have been other teams doing the same kind of thing, and I just didn't notice. Yeah, I wonder with um, – It's. I think it's a good question. To, it feels like it's been less. I haven't heard the word oblique. Yeah, which is which is good. And you like you said – Really hamstringy. Like, none of those kinds of things have been happening, which is really nice. Yeah, none of the fatigue injuries. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. None of the fatigue injuries. But you've still had a lot of players hit the disabled list this year. It's not right. like the Nationals have been immune to that. And a lot of repeat DL trips this year. Yeah, a lot um, of the same people that are always on the disabled list. So, Ryan Zimmerman. Uh, uh, Ryan Zimmerman, Sammy Solis. Um, Joe Ross being gone for a very long time, trying to come back, not working out, having to kind of step back from the rehab stuff. Um, so you, you're not, it doesn't feel like you're seeing as many of those little nagging injury stuff that you saw in previous years from guys like Anthony Rendon, uh, Denard Spann, but you are seeing a lot of guys hit the, D the DL for multiple uh, stints or for longer stints. So I, I don't know what that means necessarily. Um, I'd like to see some sort of, the analytical evidence on this, but I, I mean, I don't know if that exists, but uh, publicly at least. <clears throat> um, yeah. Good question though. Uh, 
Feng wants to know, as a follow-up to Tebow's tryout, what non-baseball athlete from any sport would you like to see play baseball? God, I put some thought into this one. I figured I really you would. This is, a, this is right up your alley. <laughs> I really loved this. Um, my problem is I don't follow many other sports that closely. Yeah. Yeah. I um, uh, that I could translate uh, an NBA player or an N- I think NFL players would be crap. Yeah. Unless your name is Bo Jackson or Deion Sanders. Right. Um, I just can't see that translating very well. Um, I think if you're really looking for something, um, as much as I hate it, I know uh, Sidney Crosby actually did some BP with the Pirates and cranked a couple out at PNC nice. a couple years ago, which right. is pretty cool. Uh, I think pretty much most of the top athletes uh, in any sport, soccer, basketball, hockey, uh, I think NFL is kind of limited because a lot of the positions on an NFL team are – I want to bulk up as much as possible, yeah. and that is not what you want to do in baseball. Not it a lot of not, dexterity there. Yeah, it will not serve you very well. You kind of want the the fast twitch stuff. So I think basketball player would probably be the most effective. Besides the huge strike zone. Uh, yeah, besides <laughs> the huge strike zone, uh, unless you're a pitcher. Yeah, right. That could um, definitely work. Uh, but maybe uh, maybe soccer player. Yeah, but, yeah, that's a good point, actually. I hadn't considered a soccer player, but you're so, right. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I put a lot of thought into this, and I'm, st- I'm struggling to find the right answer. Uh, I do know that the right answer is not Tim Tebow. Yes, that's, that is accurate. Uh, uh, the Dan says that uh, he and Minnesota Nicer are uh, citizens of Section 135 in 2017. So what are, are the best and worst sections at Nationals Park, in our humble opinions? Well, I would say the best is now 135. I mean, I think unequivocally that's true. So, um, I don't know. I've, I've sat in some good sections. Yeah. I personally, I like to sit, uh, I really like to sit along the third base line. Me too. That's my favorite uh, spot. Down below, which I've done a couple times. I like that. Maybe, uh, maybe not too far past third base. I don't know the numbers of the sections yeah, too well. Um, but... Mm, somewhere between where the uh, left fielder and the third baseman are placed. Yeah, I love those seats. Those are that's probably my favorite place to sit. Third base line down that way uh, because at Nationals Park I'm very pale and that's the shady side. Yes. So that's where I like to sit. Uh, it's most important for me. I also I don't mind sitting up high uh, at all. And if you could get seats that are up high but behind home plate. Some of the best views of the ballpark. It's yeah. just really, you kind of get the whole perspective of everything. It's really cool. If you could sit in, especially in that 300 section right behind uh, home plate, is really nice. Oh, um, yeah. I've been to a couple games there. It's really nice. I, and you do you do get a little shade on a day game. Yeah, you do, for sure. Um, and the worst, any, I, the outfield. <laughs> uh, any, uh, no, 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 not just the outfield. I think anything in that upper section right under the scoreboard. Oh yeah, so like those and so like the, right center and like the the foul pole seats and right field, the super high ones. For me, I I can't connect with the game when I'm that far away. Yeah, I just when I'm I don't mind being high up if I'm on the infield because I'm still close to the action. But if I'm in the outfield, I I don't mind if I'm in the outfield if if I'm on the baselines. But if I'm in the outfield beyond the warning track, I can't. I just can't. Pay attention to the game. Yeah, I need to see the whole field or I get uncomfortable. 
yeah, me, the, I, I'm the same way. And if I'm that far away from the pitches, I just can't, I can't focus on what's happening and, uh, and I lose track of the game. Um, so yeah, good, good question to end it on. And, uh, one thing I do want to mention, good friend of the pod, uh, North Carolinats had his kid today. So congratulations to the new father and mother over there. Yes. Wanted to make sure we mentioned that. Yeah, listen to us in the hospital. Yeah, right. Put put the uh, earbuds on the baby. <laughs> nice. Don't don't do that to him, so yeah. No. Not um. All right. Anything else before uh, we wrap up episode one thirty two of the pod? Rest in peace, Gene Wilder. Oh yeah, that's a sad one. It's a sad one. Yeah. It's a it's a bad one. I don't. I'm really really sad about that one, and uh, I had Alzheimer's. What? He had Alzheimer's. Oh, I thought you said I have Alzheimer's. No, like, he it was he had Alzheimer's. Oh, that is sad. Which that is, is sad. and he didn't tell anyone because he didn't want the kids to know that Willy Wonka was sick. Oh, jeez. Yeah, right. What feels. a guy. I know. Oh, all feels. of the feels. Yep, stop, yep. stop making me feel feelings. I'm sorry. At the end of this mm. wonderful show. It's a good one. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah. That was Willy Wonka talk on the go. Yes. Nice. Well done. Um, all right. Well, I guess that does it for this episode of Nat's Talk on the Go. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, we will talk a little bit after the music plays. Uh, and otherwise, we will catch you guys next week. For listening to Nat's Talk on the Go. For more information, check us out at natstalkonthego.com. To become a supporting member of the podcast, click on the special ops link at the top of the page or head right to natstalkonthego.com slash special ops. You can contact the guys at Nat's Talk on the Go on Twitter or send them an email at podcast at natstalkonthego.com. If you like what you heard, take a minute to review the podcast on iTunes and help us spread the word. See you next time. Let's go Nats.